0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of Wrestling From The Crowd. My name is Ray, and this is episode two. Before we get into it, I want to just take the time to say thank you to everyone who's downloaded or listened to this podcast. I really appreciate it. We've hit 55 total downloads. I believe that's really good in the start of my journey, so thank you all for that. I'm also thinking about trying to do an entrance theme to the podcast. I tweeted Miz, and hopefully he replies. I asked him to do like an intro to... ...for uh, the podcast, so hopefully he gets back to me eventually. If he doesn't, then I'll just have to figure it out myself. So, Raw opens up with Randy Orton cutting a promo on all the people he's kicked in the head. He also says he can't go through it because it'll take him three hours, and that's what Raw is, only three hours. But I don't recall him kicking three hours worth of people in the head. Maybe the shows combined, but three hours worth, I don't really think so. Um, I'm going to go over some of the people he's kicked in the head, so that way you have an understanding... He's kicked Vince, he's kicked Cena's dad when they had that intense rivalry, he's kicked Sheamus, RVD, Shane, pretty much the whole McMahon family. Jericho, The Big Show, Triple H, those are some of the names he kicked. Now, I don't think it'll take him three hours to name a couple of more of those names, so I thought that was pretty funny. So, we hear sirens, and I'm like, is Big Papa Pump here? Why is Big Papa Pump here? That makes no sense. And it ends up being Drew McIntyre coming out of the same ambulance he was put in from being punt kicked three times in the head last week by Orton. So I thought that was pretty funny that I, that I had that image of Big Papa Pump. We see Drew rush to the ring and give Randy Orton a claymore. After the claymore, you see Randy in, in the ring holding his jaw. You could tell he's hurt or, you know, fake hurt kayfabe. So... We pan to the back where the Herpins get a segment earlier where they're talking, MVP's talking about some girl and whatever they're having a conversation about. The janitor says something, and MVP says, what did you say about Shelton's mama? The janitor's like, I I didn't say anything, so MVP's like, you're calling me a liar? I'm a liar now, you're making me look like a liar? And the janitor said, no, so he says you did say that. So they ended up beating him up. You can tell what the Hurt Business is about. The Hurt Business is about hurting people, beating people up at any cost. So, I understand the gimmick. I'm, I'm becoming a little fan of it. So, that that's the good thing about that gimmick. Uh, backstage segment leads to Drew McIntyre walking in the hallways being stopped by Adam Pearce. Adam Pearce telling him, hey, listen, Drew, we, we don't need you here right now. There's too much going on. We got retribution. We got everything else. So... Can you please go? Drew's like, yeah, no problem. I'll I'll go. I won't give you any problems. So we see Drew leave, if he did leave. Um, After that, we go back to the ring, where we see a six-man tag between the Hurt Business and Apollo, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander. Cedric doesn't even make it to the ring. He gets attacked at at the top of the ramp by the Hurt Business. They beat him up. Apollo and, and Ricochet make the save. The match starts. It's slow. You could tell what direction they're going in. MVP looked really strong in this match. You could tell where it was going, though. So we finally seen Cedric Alexander turn on his friends and join the Hurt Business. He threw Ricochet into the barricade. He gave a gut check to Apollo. MVP picks up the win. The Hurt Business now has a new member, Cedric Alexander. I said it last week on last week's podcast. It's the best for them. Now they have a technical wrestler. They have a powerhouse. They have MVP, who's a veteran. Now they have Cedric Alexander, who's a high flyer. So that group has all of it, which is perfect for them. After that, we see Street Profits versus Andrade and Garza. Garza makes the entrance by himself. Usually comes out with Andrade. But we know last week, Garza left Andrade and Zelina Vega because Retribution came out. So he saved himself besides them. We see Andrade and Zelina finally come out and they just walk past Garza. Like Garza doesn't even exist. You know they're still mad. There's a lot of cracks in his team and I won't be surprised if it implodes. Um, so we also see Garza throughout the match give significantly hard tags to Andrade. Andrade did not take too kind to it. Zelina's like, hey, what are you doing? We're on the same team. Garza and Andrade lead into an argument where Garza leaves him. Garza says, I don't need this. I can do this on my own, I've done it before, I don't need you guys, and walks off, leaving Andrade in a two-on-one handicap match, what doesn't even last that long, you got Dawkins who hits, I believe, a clothesline, so Montez could give him a frog splash and ends the match. Now, I guess we won't see Andrade and Garza together, maybe there'll be a feud, Uh, that's probably where they're expected to head, so I guess I can go for that, that's a good feud, two really good wrestlers. We hear Cesaro's music, and I'm pretty sure everybody thought the same thing. I thought, like, why, why is Cesaro here? After that, Nakamura comes out right behind him. We see them walk to the ring, and it looks, it looks like they, they got more of a serious look. They've been kind of a joke lately. I don't know why, but they have. They been find, like, the Lucha House Party and stuff and losing to the Lucha House Party. So we hear Cesaro say, you know, you guys are raw. We're on SmackDown, but you guys have been looking like a joke tag team. Now, he says this because in the beginning of COVID, the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders were doing, like, these little little games, like, uh, little Olympic games, like basketball and playing golf. And he also says you guys were playing with ninjas. I, I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. I would have never done it like that. I thought playing those little games with them, two serious tag teams that should have been portrayed, are... Are, are not the way to go with them. They should have had regular matches. If you wanted them to have, like, a little a little tournament or a little uh, one-ups on each other, have different matches. You could have had a bunch of different tag team matches. Uh, so that's what Cesaro meant by them being a joke tag team on Raw. But Montez Ford then let that go by and comes back with you and Nakamura look like the bar 2.0. We all know Sheamus and Cesaro was a tag team, and that's gone. So now it's a new tag team with Nakamura on it. So... Uh, they've been a pretty good team. Uh, we hear Cesaro say, so we should have a champions versus champions match next week on Raw, where the Street Profits kindly accept so they can see who's the better tag team. You know, we hear Montez Ford say their signature catchphrase, we want the Cesaro interrupts that Nakamura finishes in the funniest way it says, Smook. And it was hilarious. I pretty much laughed at that. After that, we seen a backstage segment with R-Truth. We get another one of these 24-7 champion backstage segments. Uh, this one was at a restaurant this time. Truth orders desserts. But instead of getting desserts, he gets a ninja. He obviously knows Akira was around. Uh, he throws the belt to his imaginary friend, Little Jimmy. Little Jimmy doesn't catch it because Little Jimmy isn't there. So the, no one catches the belt. R-Truth is like, you dropped my baby. And then runs off. The manager stops R-Truth. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you can't get a business serving ninjas and just runs off. Uh, again, 24-7 is just a joke title. It's it's basically R-Truth's title. It's no one else's besides R-Truth. So that's, that's the gimmick they're going to go with when it comes to that belt. After that, we seen newly broken up tag team Peyton Royce and Billy K go one on one. Why was this necessary? Did you need to break them up and then put them against each other so one could get buried and then one could go over? Well, they both knew each other. It was a good match. It was short, wasn't a quick match. Um one thing I really hated during this match was the the 2K noises. I I don't like The wrestling game noises. You can hear people screaming in the wrestling noises. When you play the game, you hear people screaming and yelling like Cena's name. So, like, if you listen, one day just, like, listen. You'll hear, like, Cena! It's the wrestling 2K noises. I don't like them at all. They're only good for, like, the pins. And then again... The pins aren't even accurate. But anyways, besides that, um, we've seen Peyton pick up the win. This is her setup. It's, you know, it's time for Peyton's big push. What happens to Billy Kay? Does she get off TV? Are they, you know, do they go somewhere with her? Probably not. Um, But I guess we'll just have to wait to see it. We're now gonna see Peyton's singles run. So hopefully that's a good run. They also recapped after the match on the Rollins and Mysterio family rivalry that's been brewing up forever. We see them build up for the match between dominic and buddy murphy tonight it's supposed to be buddy getting payback for dominic attacking him uh when seth rollins told him he wasn't going to be a part of the monday night messiah anymore so they just want to build up for that so after that build up the mysterio family came out um charlie caruso asks mysterio uh what's your injury time when will you be back No update, Rey Mysterio doesn't have an update for us. You know, we see him talk about how he's proud of his son, his family. We see Buddy Murphy interrupt on the big screen. Uh, Murphy says, you know, he blames Dominic for why Rollins kicked him out of the Monday Night Messiah. Um, Murphy says, you know, you like to use weapons, you want to use everything, then let's turn our match into a street fight. And Dominic says, you know what? i'm i'm for it you know and i'll embarrass you in front of your little messiah and then buddy murphy says something about his family and dominic says something he's like if you touch anyone in my family you'll take your last breath in and out and i was like "Ooh, a a little dark for our new baby face so um he apparently he's the top baby face right now people love him and so does vince i guess so he's one of the top babyface we have. I don't really know any babyface we have on Raw. Do we have babyface on Raw? Um, besides Ricochet and Apollo? And that's pretty much it. No, no, there's more. I think. Drew McIntyre. He's a babyface. I guess he's the biggest babyface they got. So, I, I guess. But he's bigger. He's the best new babyface right now. So, I mean, that's good for him. I see some good things in his future. He's a good wrestler. And you could tell he understands the business um, we cut to a backstage segment where Adam Pierce is talking to Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler. And Shayna's like, why, why do I have a two-on-one handicap match? And Pierce is like, because Nia said you could do it. So I thought it was fair to put both of you in one. Uh, we also see Drew McIntyre walk by. He's supposed to be gone, but he isn't. He's still there. Pierce stops him. He says, what are you doing? Like, wh- Why are you still here? I told you to leave. Uh, Drew says, you know, he forgot his phone in the ambulance. <laughs> An ironic excuse. He says, now he'll leave. He'll leave for sure now. Adam Pierce just looks at him like, mm, I wonder if he's really going to leave. Uh, we cut back to the ring. We see Asuka and Mickey James versus Lana and Natalia. This is the, the boat team. Once again. Uh, next week was announced that we'll see Mickey and Oscar fight for the Raw Championship. I guess uh, Mickey James coming back, you know, was a good thing for her. Now she has a championship opportunity against Oscar. Uh, do I think she's gonna win? Uh, don't know. Raw, raw, anything can happen. Who knows? But I don't think they'll take off the belt off Oscar so quickly. Joe also pokes at the same thing. I just poked that hashtag boat. He says it about, like, 20 times just poking fun at it. That was pretty fun of him. Um, you know, Mickey James is a six-time champion. I can't count her out, but can can anyone really stop Lana right now? Is there anyone else to take over Lana's shoes? I mean, not Lana's shoes, Oscar's shoes? I don't know why I said Lana. Maybe because she's my next topic. Um, but, anyways, uh, they put Lana together with Natalia. Just, I feel like they didn't have anything to do with them. I feel like they were like, you know what? You guys you guys figure it out, and you guys come up with something that's going to make you pop. Um, so far, I haven't been on the Lana Natalia train, and I don't think I'll ever be on board it. I feel like this match was just to build up for the Asuka and Mickey James match on Monday. Uh, they were both trying to outperform each other, you know, move for move. Uh, they did a couple blind tags, but the end spot was Asuka hit a blind tag on Mickey James to rush in and put an Asuka lock on Lana. And then Mickey James was like, ah, oh, well, and gave Natalia a chick kick on the outside of the ring. So they're pretty much building up for this match. This is their focal point as a feud right now for Asuka. I guess it gives someone for Asuka because I don't know who else there really is. So I'm glad to see that it's someone who could keep up and, you know, who's a six-time women's champion. Um, another backstage segment with The Hurt Business you know, we see the Hurt Business, now they got Cedric, they're excited for it, but as the Hurt Business walk away, Shelton keeps, uh, Cedric back, and he's like, listen, what made you finally decide to want to join us? Like, do you really want to be in here? He's like, if this is a trick, I promise you, I'm gonna find out, and I'm gonna end you, Cedric. So, do you think that Cedric is playing the Hurt Business? I don't know, I don't think he would be hurting the Hurt, like, playing the Hurt Business, but I guess we'll see. This backstage segment led into MVP's VIP lounge segment. Um, I feel like this was just to officially show people that Cedric Alexander is in the Hurt Business. Cedric also cut a little promo saying that he joined because he was tired of constantly getting attacked by the Hurt Business. And he decided to finally learn and earn. He says he wasn't making any money. He played Ricochet. He says, how can you trust a man who calls himself the one and only? Which is true. How can you trust a man that calls himself the one and only? He also said that he was sacrificing his own body for Apollo and his title shots. Which means he wasn't getting any title shots doing anything for Apollo. He was just helping someone else do it. We've seen the Viking Raiders interrupt him and the Hurt Business. Apollo and Ricochet came out who stormed the ring for a brawl. And guess who uh, Ricochet went straight after? He went straight after Cedric. You could tell he's hurt. They were a tag team and he thought that was his friend, but he betrayed him when it came down to it. Um I feel like this match was just to put over that Cedric's a part of the hurt business and like introduce a more aggressive Cedric than we've seen in the past. Um we also seen like Ricochet throughout the match try to attack Cedric many of times. I think a feud is coming between them. I hope to see a feud between them. They're both two incredibly talented wrestlers. The finish to this match was Ricochet went up to the rope for his patent at 630, but misses. So Cedric capitalizes by hitting a running falcon arrow to pin Ricochet, which this pin led to controversy because even though the referee counted to three, he didn't see that Ricochet got gotten his shoulder up. So that pretty much leaves like a lingering taste in your mouth. Like, hmm, they're going to make them fight again. I know Ricochet is going to be like, hey, you didn't beat me. I can beat you. Let's do this again one-on-one. So I hope to see that soon. Moving on, we've seen a backstage segment with Drew. He's still lingering the building. He hasn't left. I'm sure Adam Pierce is like, oh, did he leave yet? Charlie Caruso asks him, why are you still here? Drew responds with, I I can't find the exit. I just can't seem to find a way out of this place. So Drew's still lingering. So, which, that means he's going to attack Orton sometime soon. And he's waiting for the perfect opportunity. Uh, after that, they cut to a recap on Alistair Black attacking Kevin Owens the other week. Uh, Kevin Owens and Shane interact on their way to Raw Underground. You know, they had a, a feud for a while. They had that good, I think it was a Hell in a Cell match. It was really good. Um, so it was good to see them interact again. Kevin Owens clearly still hates him. Called him a jackass and calls him a good doorman. Because Shane McMahon held the door for him to go inside. So that was a pretty funny interaction. Um, Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. Uh, Keith Lee. We see him again. Third week in a row on Raw. Fighting a a main eventer like Orton. Uh, Orton says he's finally going to beat him. Uh, Throughout the match, it was a really good match. I didn't expect anything less from those two. But what what had me captivated was Keith Lee's block on Randy Orton's RKO. He just stood there. He held Randy and was like, "Mm, I don't think he's going to get me in this. Uh, That's probably one of the most other unique blocks we've seen. We've seen a couple other unique blocks. We've seen Styles, Faye come out of it. Um, We've seen, I think someone did like a handspring. I think it was Ricochet did a handspring out of an RKO. So I thought that was pretty good to play on. Um, The announcers also talked about how Orton is, you know, a 13 time champion. He's trying to fight McIntyre. He's trying to win that 14th. He's trying to join that elite company of Ric Flair, John Cena, Triple H, guys like that. So I I, I think we're going to see Randy Orton break that milestone. Just not yet. But Lee looked very strong in this match. Um, He counted so many RKO's. I think Randy Orton tried to hit him with two. So for him to block that many was really impressive. The finish was Lee actually taking an RKO this time. Third time is the charm. When Orton hits that RKO, he turns around to a Claymore Drew McIntyre has not left the building he is still here which means orton won but he's still in pin lee lee still has not been pinned yet since his debut in the wwe and i hope they keep it that way until you know he fights for a title raw fight club begins uh it's supposed to be Alistair black versus kevin owens we see Alistair black having a tune-up fight i don't think they say who he's fighting but he's having a little one he's beating him up doing his thing we finally see kevin owens join the fray Him and Aleister Black, they go for blow. You know, they're really brawling it out or they're trying to make it seem like they are. And then both men end up on the ground outside and it goes to a commercial break. Why? Why? Why why should this take so long? Why is this a whole, uh, whole Raw Underground episode? So after commercial, they cut back, and instead of cutting back to Raw Underground, they cut to a backstage segment where Randy Orton's talking to Adam Pearce. Uh, they're talking about Drew McIntyre still being in the building, Adam Pearce still hasn't gotten rid of him. Uh, Adam Pearce says, hey, listen, Randy, I give you my word, I walked him out, he's gone, and Orton says, listen, your word means nothing to me so randy orton he wants he wants mcintyre out but mcintyre doesn't want to leave mcintyre is not going to leave until he gets vengeance on orton and adam pierce he's trying his best but it's just not working so raw moves on to the next segment instead of cutting back to raw underground now they're doing the ride squad versus baszler in a one-on-two handicap match uh cole states that nia Jax is the reason why she's doing this we all know that adam pierce confirmed that It was Nia who did it. Um, I want to give my personal opinion on how I feel as Nia and Shayna the tag champs or how long I think they'll last. Um, I feel like they're both singles competitors. I don't see them as a tag team. I feel like I don't want either one of them trying to go after a singles title while being tag champions. I'm not really feeling the the double belts anymore. I think it's been overused and... If they're going to stay a team and want to stay tag champions, that's fine. But if they're going to go out to singles title, then just break them up and put the tag team titles on the Riot Squad or someone else. So in this match, we've seen the Riot Squad, you know, working together perfectly as a tag team since they got gotten back together. Shayna, on the other hand, just kept trying to show off in front of Nia. She'll put a hold on and say, this is how it's done. This is how it's done. And so instead of feeling like a one on two, it felt like a one on three on how much of a distraction Nia was. And the, the, her gloating, Baszler gloating, was the reason why she got rolled up and took the loss. H- how are you guys supposed to be a team when you guys are constantly trying to one-up each other and causing each other to lose? That I don't think that's going to go off very well. So I guess we're going to see if, if Nia is going to try to one-up Baszler when she has her match later. Um, Raw Fight Club continues. We see Alistair and Owens. They're fighting. They're slugging it out. They end up back in the crowd or on the ground. There is no crowd. It's the fake crowd. They end up in that little crowd and then they start fighting them. What's the point of you fighting that crowd? Why can't you guys just finish this match? I don't want to wait till the end of the show to see the finish of a five-minute segment or maybe a two-minute segment. So I feel like they should have kept that going, but they didn't. Um, they went to the next match, which was the Riot Squad versus Nia, since they were already out there. Naya's doing the same thing Baszler did. She's trying to show off and trying to one-up, saying, I'm the reason why we're the tag team champions. Um, as the finish is about to happen, we see the retribution effects happening. The lights are flickering. The virtual crowd is gone. We, we see all of that. Then we finally get a promo from Retribution. Retribution hasn't spoken. All they've done is just attack. So it's finally good to to get some voices. Um, Retribution says the Thunderdome is just a decoy to hide those who push them aside. It's just one big behemoth. And it's true. The WWE is a big behemoth. They're basically saying Retribution was made out of people that was put aside by WWE and instead of, you know, giving them a name, now they have to make a name for themselves. Uh, I heard they might be only exclusive to Raw, so I hope that's not the case, but I, I think it might be. Because Raw is three hours, so I guess you could do more retribution. But if they were pushed aside from multiple, like, brands, why not have them on all brands trying to dominate all brands? Uh, but we'll see where we go with that. We, we never get a finish to the Nia-Riot Squad match, so I guess they'll probably do do it again on Monday after that match we go back to raw underground or raw fight club as i say um owens and black are still fighting uh kevin owens throws alistair black out out of the ring into big Bob I-, I wouldn't want to mess with that guy at all um that pissed him off baba Kato was angry he was looking at them and Kevin Owens just shoves him out the way. Not that he barely moved him, but he shoves him and expects Baba Kato to just stand there. As Alistair Black and Kevin Owens go back in the ring, Baba Kato joins and beats both of them up. So they, they infuriate the biggest guy in Raw Underground, besides that security guard, because that guy is huge. But Baba Kato is now standing over both of them at the end of Raw Underground. So does that mean that Baba is going to finally be introduced? Is he going to play a role in the Alistair Black uh, Owens feud? Are they going to do it again? Are Owens and Aleister Black going to fight in a real ring this time? So I guess we'll just have to see uh, what happens. Uh, they cut to another backstage segment. Drew, he's, he attacks Orton from behind. Orton looks like he's trying to you know tuck his tail in between his legs and go running. But Drew didn't let him. They end up in like an empty arena set. And Drew gives him a Claymore inside the empty ring. And I guess he's finished with him now. Raw almost over so he's pretty much done with him but we see randy holding on to his jaw hurting uh i wonder how that's gonna play into next week are they just gonna keep attacking each other from behind three times a day uh i don't know where that's gonna go but uh looks like they're both gonna play off a jaw injury the last match of the night our final match dominic versus buddy murphy in a street fight uh dominic and his family they all come out with kendo sticks he said bring your family but i don't think he said bring kendo sticks the whole family had a kendo stick, besides the mom. She looks like she's the only one who wasn't really for holding a kendo stick. Um, Dominic uh, is getting his own segment on the WWE Network. They showed it before uh, Buddy Murphy came out. I guess the documentary is going to talk about um, his start, You know what made him do it, besides his father, and I guess his training before his first match with Seth Rollins. Um, Buddy Murphy comes out. He's, he's angry. He looks good. Uh... I'd love to see Buddy Murphy as a heel. I I hope they do something else with him if the Monday Night Messiah thing doesn't work out. I hope he gets a single run, like for like the Intercontinental title or or the U.S. title. There's supposed to be like a fake draft or a draft coming up. If the draft even happens, maybe draft him to SmackDown. Give him a new start. Um, it was a really really good match. the The fight was inside. The fight was outside. Uh, most of the match it was outside. Um... Dominic hit a very, very good spot. He had climbed up onto the virtual crowd and did like a high cross body off of it and landed it beautifully. Um, so you can tell that he has a lot of experience. Uh, they they fight, they end up on the ramp. Buddy turns the match around by slamming Dominic's head into the ramp. And that's where Buddy began to dominate the match. Um, I feel like Dominic could, could hang. He can hang with big guys. Uh, I don't know if, you know, it could be like, uh, Orton. I don't know if he'll put on a good match with Orton. I mean he did with Rollins, but you know, as he taken as he's taken this beating, the Mysterio family finally intervened. They they you knew they were gonna be out there. You knew they were gonna play a part in this match. So they they saved Dominic from getting a beating from the candlestick by Buddy. And then they end up tying Buddy to the ropes and giving him the same beating that Rollins and Buddy gave Dominic a couple weeks ago. And then they they beat him, they beat him, and they beat him. The mom they didn't want to do it, but she finally she's like, you know what, this is my baby, and gave gave uh, Buddy some some good hits. Um, you know, we seen uh, Buddy give up. I don't think that's going to go over with Rollins, but he, he gave up. Uh, Rollins might kick him out. Rollins might keep him. I'm not sure. I don't think you should get rid of him because, you know, you if you're going to portray the Monday Night Messiah, you need people. Uh, you already lost Theory. You already lost AOP. You're going to lose someone else. And if But if uh, Rollins is going to go on a little break because of, you know, his baby with... Becky Lynch, then that's fine, and that's a good way to cut it. You know, you're disappointed, you need time off. That's fine. At the end of the match, the family still ends up beating Buddy Murphy with the candlesticks until Raw goes off air. So basically, Buddy Murphy got a beating until Raw went off air. And he might have still been kept getting beat after Raw. Um, but Raw tonight was 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 really good. Um a lot better than I expected it would be. A lot of good turns, a lot of good story buildups. So I'm really happy with the stories they're trying to build and how they're going about certain certain matches and storylines um so i guess we'll just have to wait till next week to see if most of these play out like the like alistair black and kevin owens or the dominic and rollins see if that continues but overall it was a good raw now since we're done with raw now we're going to move on to the next brand and we're going to talk about nxt first because they move to tuesdays they're no longer on wednesdays which means aw dark is now going to get casted over by nxt i don't know if uh, aw is going to change anything about that but uh we'll see what happens but nxt begins with finn valley versus adam cole they started off big they knew they left us hanging you know with that 60 minute Iron match draw um the match started off slow there was a lot of collar elbow tie-ups and other holds um you know it was good to hear wade barrett on the commentary or, or Stu bennett whatever you want to call him it, it was good to hear a fresh voice on commentary now that Oh, Mauro has gone. Um, no one can ever replace that guy. But it's good to hear something fresh on the commentary team. I just wanted to touch on that real quick. But the match continued after commercial break. Um, it was a really... It got fast-paced uh, during the mid-match. It even went to the outside where Balor sat Adam Cole onto a chair and tried to give a running drop kick to him, but Adam Cole ended up countering it with a super kick. So, uh, that was a pretty good play on exchange. Um, you know, Balor hits a Coupe de Grasse. When he lands it, he's holding onto his leg. Um, I thought, I thought he was hurt, but I guess, I guess he's not. It's just a play on it. Um, Adam Cole hits a Shining Wizard to pin Balor, but he kicks out kicks out the shining wizard wasn't the panama sunrise but he he kicked out of one of adam cole's bigger finishes after balor kicks out the match continues we see balor still playing off that eight leg injury um the finish of the match was a, a pretty interesting finish balor went up to the top rope with adam cole to do an avalanche 1916 uh he picks up the win new champion in finn balor the the prince now reigns over nxt once again uh he joins that that club of uh winning the nxt championship more than once i'm gonna my my opinion on this match was it wasn't uh that great of a match you know these are two big guys i wanted it to feel like a takeover match like it was for something and it was for something it was for the nxt championship i wanted to see everything i want them to pull out all the stops but they didn't yeah it was a it was a good move to put it as a start because you knew you wanted people to you know be into it But I just feel like it didn't give me a title match feel. It didn't give me a takeover feel. It felt like a normal match. And that's what I didn't like about it. But... Congrats to Finn Balor on being an NXT champion. Um, <clears throat> what's next for Adam Cole? Is Adam Cole going to move on to the main roster? Is he going to do something else? Is he going to go after the North American Championship? Uh, I don't know what he can do after that. Uh, we go backstage where Triple H is waiting for Finn Balor. They hug, I guess, uh, Triple H is tell him congrats. And he moves forward. Adam Cole comes back backstage. And he too sweets uh, Finn Balor and says, Hey, listen, you're the better man. And... And then they both walk away. And so hats off to both of those gentlemen for, you know, for good sportsmanship. Uh, they go to a backstage segment where Robert Stone is looking for Shotzi Blackheart's tank. He's been ran over twice with that thing um you know Shati catches him she's like what are you doing uh then Aaliyah comes out of nowhere hits Shati into a curtain where behind that curtain was standing Io Shirai taking her photo shoot um she chased she chased Aaliyah to the ring Aaliyah ran in the ring where Shotzi and uh Io Shirai met her they both beat her up and Robert Stone, who tried to get involved. Um, after that, we seen Io Shirai and Shotzi get into it because Shotzi Blackheart picked up the title and was going to give it to Eel Shirai, but held it. So I think we're going to see Shotzi get a chance at the NXT Women's Championship against Io Shirai. Uh, that could be a really good match because Shotzi Blackheart's is really good. We've seen her a lot of times. We've seen her almost win that gauntlet match. She was the last person till Dakota Kai won. So that's going to be an interesting feud. Um, I, I hope that both of them you know, bring out their whole showcase because they deserve it. Uh, Now we're on to the Tegan Knox Candice LeRae segment. Last week, we seen LeRae say, Hey, I want you back. I miss you. You're my friend. So she said, come over. So this segment is continuing off of last week. Candice says she needs to talk to uh, Tegan again, to Johnny. She says, Johnny, be on your best behavior. I need her back in my life. Tegan arrives. Johnny says, oh, no pizza this time? Uh, That's basically playing off of the rivalry from Mia Yim and Keith Lee against Candice LeRae and Johnny. Tegan Knox brought them a pizza as a joke, and it was just one slice. Then they pan to the kitchen and they're all sitting at the table, Johnny, Candace, and Tegan. Candace is like, Tegan, confess, you know, you've betrayed me. Tegan's like, I didn't betray you, you betrayed me. I blame Johnny for you changing. And and it's true, Johnny did change Candace. You know, Johnny's heel run played a big factor in the change of Candace. You know, she got involved in his and Champa's match. And, you know, the feud with Champa changed her. And it made her into the Poison picture she is today. But they pan back to them sitting in the kitchen. And Candice is like, you know, you should join me. You know, join the Gargano way. Tegan's like, "Uh, I'm not sure. And Candice says, you know, you can help me be the next NXT Women's Champion. And Candice is like, you should be the next Women's Champion. I should be the next Women's Champion. Which entices Larray to get upset and throw food so now they're throwing food back and forth. Johnny hears the commotion, comes to intervene, and Tegan throws spaghetti on him and runs off. But before she ran off, she threw the TV, the TV remote, into the TV, breaking the TV. Candace already chased out her out the house. Johnny's looking at the TV, like, like why? Like, why out of all things the TV? So I thought that was a good take on the segment. We haven't seen the Johnny Gargano, Candace array segments in a long time. So that was pretty good, and it was fresh to see something new. Um, Then they panned to a Thatcher Thatch camp segment. Uh, It's setting up the feud for him and Damian Priest for the North American Championship. He was basically saying Damian Priest is predictable, you know, kicks, he likes to leave his feet a lot. Um, I feel like that's going to be a good feud. It's a clash of styles. It's Timothy Thatcher, who's a very nitty-gritty submission specialist, and Damian Priest, who, you know, who has a great stand-up, and he's a big man, but can get off his feet. Um, then we've seen the Velveteen Dream take on Ashanti Adonis. Um, I thought this match was going to be a squash match, but it wasn't. The match started off with Adonis telling Dream you think you're cuter well, I could be cuter than you. Adonis looked really good in this match. He dominated the whole match. I don't even think Dream had a momentary of offense. Um, the one mistake that caused him was he went for a super kick to Dream, but almost hit the referee, which caused the Dream to hit him in the eye with an eye poke and hit him with a Death Valley driver for the win. So, you know, even though Adonis looked good, Dream still picked up the win. After that match, we seen Kushida return to get his revenge on Velveteen Dream, who attacked him during their match to get get into a spot at that ladder match at TakeOver 30. Um, Kushida did not go easy on him. He also put him in an armbar that looked very vicious. So now they're playing on this Kushida-Velveteen Dream rivalry, which I'm pretty excited for, because Velveteen Dream has some really, really good matches, and so does Kushida. Um, Kushida, since he's been in NXT or in the WWE at that, uh, he hasn't been utilized the correct way. He doesn't have a championship, no nothing. This guy was in Japan. This guy was in New Japan Pro Wrestling winning titles, and he hasn't won that one title since he got to NXT. So I hope he wins something. After that, they went to a backstage segment of Brizongo talking about their journey to the Tag Team Championships. Um, they also talked about Imperium, saying they're boring, you know, they didn't bring anything. Uh, I, I think Imperium is fantastic. Uh, they've probably have grown to one of my favorite factions. They are really good. There's so many styles on that team. Um, so I, I, don't think they're boring at all. I think they gave the title some meaning because they were the only real good tag team at the moment. Um... So that set up uh, a tag team title match next week. So it's going to be Imperium versus Brizongo for the tag team titles. After that promo, we've seen Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory. Austin Theory returned last week after attacking Bronson Reed to set up this match. Um, Bronson Reed dominated this whole match. This guy was throwing Austin Theory around from corner to corner to the corner. Um... Austin Theory, when he mounted some offense, he was just overrun by power. Austin Theory is 20 years old. Well, was 20 years old when he signed with the WWE. So he still has a long time to perfect his craft. I think he's really good. He's a former Evolve World Champion. So I think he has a lot of potential in NXT to become either North American Champion or an NXT Champion. Somewhere along the line if they keep him that long we seen Bronson Reed hit a tsunami to pick up the win after Austin Theory tried to lift up Reed, but his back gave out. So it, it leads to my question, what's next for Reed, you know? You didn't let him win the ladder match at TakeOver 30. What do you do next with him? You got a big guy who's over right now. Do you keep his momentum going or do you kill it? So I hope to see them do something good with Bronson Reed um, in the coming futures. Uh, they cut to a backstage segment with Adam Cole speaking on the championship match he had earlier in the show. Uh, He basically just gave his respect to Finn, but he also told Finn if he ever gets another shot, there's going to be a different outcome. So are they going to make Adam Cole and Finn Balor fight again for the title? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know where they're going to head after that. Could they look for another competitor? Don't know. But I feel Finn Balor should hold the title for a while, no matter who it is. After that Adam Cole segment, so, I we went to the ring to see Roderick Strong versus Killian Dane. Now this match was based off the UE attacking Killian Dane a couple weeks ago. And then Killian Dane the week prior saved Drake Maverick from a UE attack. So I guess we're gonna see a UE Killian Dane Drake Maverick rivalry, I guess. Um, no Kyle O'Reilly tonight, but Bobby Fish accompanied Roderick Strong. Um, you know, Killian Dane is so underrated. Like his run with Sanity was so perfect. He was the star of Sanity. They he outshined, he was moving like a like a small guy. He was doing everything. He was a really good wrestler. And then once Sanity died, so did the character of him. So I feel like uh Killian Dane could be a champion. They could use him perfectly but they're just choosing not to use him right now um, in that way um but we've seen him take on Roderick Strong uh Roderick Strong used Bobby Fish as a decoy in this match I thought that was pretty interesting that he threw Bobby Fish in the way of an attack by Killian Dane but it ended up paying off um it was a really good match Strong was getting like uh, manhandled a couple times during the match but Bobby Fish was the key tonight he was a big distraction he distracted Dane which allowed Dane to get knocked out by a knee from Roderick Strong for Roderick Strong to pick up the win. I feel like that win was very big for Roddy because he's just coming off that feud with Dexter Loomis who got injured. Um, So I feel like this is a good step for him to go after that North American Championship. So I hope uh he keeps winning and you know get that title again soon. Uh the UE attack Killian Dane after the match, just like they did Drake Maverick last week. But guess who comes to make the save? Drake Maverick. Uh Drake Maverick ends up saving Killian Dane, but that rescue only lasts long until Killian Dane got back up and the UE left. Uh we thought we was gonna see Dane and Maverick, you know, form a little alliance. Uh we seen Dane leave the ring, but Drake Maverick stopped him. He's like, hey. You know, we could be a team. He puts his hand out and Killian Dane just punches him square in the face. So uh, that just shows that Killian Dane doesn't really want his help. He doesn't feel like he needs his help. Uh, so we're, it's interesting to see where that story's going to go next. I feel like they're just going to have him team anyway. After that whole thing, we see Damian Priest getting interviewed backstage. He's being told that next week he has to defend his NXT North American Championship against uh, Timothy Thatcher, who he calls ugly. Now, I'm not going to say anyone's ugly, he's not the best looking guy. Um but Thatcher's like, you know, he could research all he want, he could do whatever he want, but when it comes to that ring, no tape is going to help him win the title. So, I'm pretty interested to see Damian uh, Priest defend that title next week. Now we move on to the main event of tonight's show, which is Rhea Ripley versus Mercedes Martinez in what they call the Battle of the Badasses. Um, This match is taking place in a steel cage. Um, I feel like this is a step backwards for Rhea, no disrespect to Mercedes Martinez, but Rhea's a champion you know ever since she lost that championship to um Charlotte Flair at Wrestlemania it completely just like derailed her like path so after that, she's never really gotten a women's title match by herself. The, the title match she had after that was a triple threat with her, Charlotte, and Shirai, where Shirai took that title. So Rhea's never really had a chance to get back on that path of being champion. So I hope after this match, they focus on her being a champion if she wins. Uh, but the match started out with Mercedes Martinez coming out. She's grabbing weapons from under the ring. She's trying to put them in before the match starts and gets attacked by Rhea from behind. So they started off this match early. You know, Rhea beat beat her up before she even got inside. Rhea even introduced the table to the match. Um... It was a good match throughout. A lot of good spots. They utilized the cage, you know, when they could. Um, Robert Stone tried to interfere mid-match and was caught by Rhea Ripley. She tried to suplex him off from the top of the cage, but um, Mercedes Martinez hit her so hard with a kendo stick that she let him go. Um, then she hit an avalanche neckbreaker from the top, which was a pretty good spot by Martinez. Uh, like I said, they had really good chemistry. Like, they've done this together a lot. So um, the match was pretty entertaining for for two big, strong women. In. Um The finish of the match was Mercedes Martinez attempted to do a fisherman suplex off the top rope onto a table, but Rhea countered it into an avalanche riptide to pick up the win. Um, so on Twitter, uh, Robert Stone tweeted that it's goodbye to Mercedes Martinez. Um, I think Mercedes Martinez is off to go do stuff that involves, you know, retribution and stuff, because it's been said that she's probably one of the members, uh, but no one really knows for sure. But I feel like if you know they're writing her off TV, I guess she is a part of Retribution, uh, including with Mia Yim, who we haven't seen on NXT in forever since Keith Lee left. Um, <clears throat> so I guess she's on to move those things. But um, tonight, NXT was okay. Uh, wasn't my favorite NXT, wasn't really a big fan of it, um, but it had uh, some strong buildups. Like, I plan to see where Roderick Strong goes after beating Killian Dane tonight. Or the Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox. Like, I want to see where that goes. Also, Kushida and uh, Velveteen Dream. But other than that, I'm not really, like, into, like, you know, Thatcher and, and Priest right now. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Um, I'm, I'm all for being proven wrong. So, hopefully next week's NXT is a lot better than this one. I'm not saying this one was terrible. It just It just wasn't as good as it normally is. So now we're going to move on from NXT to AEW Dark. Now, the first match we've seen on AEW Dark was Shawn Legacy. It was his debut versus Will Hobbs. We've been seeing a lot of Will Hobbs. Are we going to see a Will Hobbs push soon? I, I hope so. He's pretty good. He's a pretty talented big man. Yeah, this match was just pretty much to showcase Will Hobbs' strength. Uh, like a spot that caught my eye the most was... Legacy went for a crossbody, and Will Hobbs just shoved him away. Like this guy's in midair, and all he does is just push him away. And Hobbs is Hobbs is a big guy, but Legacy is not no small guy. So for uh, Hobbs just to shoo him away like that was pretty impressive and a good pick of strength. Um, Hobbs picked up the victory with the win via running power slam. How many big guys in this industry do we see do a running power slam? We see Braun Strowman do a running power slam. We used to see Diesel do a running power slam. Big guys need to come up with better finishers because they're bigger. Don't keep it simple because you're big. I need a better finish out of Will Hobbs. Um, the next match after that was Tony Donati versus Brian Cage. Um, obviously, this was just a squash match. Uh, Didn't Nothing really was... There was no offense for Tony Donati. Um, Taz made a good point on on the commentary team. He said, is the FTW Championship relevant? Like, it was even announced. Like, no one said, Hey, Brian the F T W champion Brian Cage. No, no one no one said that. Well, Justin Roberts, but is is it not a valid title in AEW? Is it not looked as is a title? Um I don't think it is it's not mentioned on the website when i look there's no mention of the ftw championship rankings so i don't think it's a relevant title in AEW. i think it's just for show just like it was in ecw they didn't really count it as a title there's only three champions it's taz sabu and brian cage so I don't really think they recognize that as a title. But the finish to the match was Brian Cage hitting his weapon next. It's just a modified flatliner. And he he picks up the win. Simple squash match. It was just a tune-up match for um, Brian Cage. I don't know what they're going to do with him next. They had the Darby feud. Then they had the Moxley feud. I don't know what they're going to do with him next. They also had him like tease a feud with Archer. But now Archer's in a feud with Moxley. So I don't know what they have planned next for Brian Cage. Um, the next match we've seen was Griff Garrison versus Angelico. Um, this is this is a play on the commentary that I love about AEW. So Griff Garrison comes out. You know, he comes out to Ivy League. Taz says, and I quote, Garrison couldn't get in an Ivy League, so he became a wrestler to say he was in an Ivy League to only get buried by someone on Reddit. I thought that was pretty funny. He, they, they always poke fun at him not being an actually Ivy League uh, person. So it's pretty funny like the play on commentary. I love it. Uh, but Griff Garrison looked pretty good in this match against Enhelico. And Enhelico is, is a submission expert Excalibur tells us and we see it. Um Enhelico <clears throat> has been doing so well on his own right now without Jack Evans. I believe Jack Evans is injured. Uh so it was a pretty it was a pretty good match just for them to showcase a little bit of his skills. Uh Griff Garrison usually goes with um uh what is his name? Uh Brian Pillman Jr. There you go. And you know, that's they they're a team. So Griff Garrison getting a little little showcase of his little singles action i i like the way it looks um and helico picked up the win with a unique submission it was a knee bar like cross ankle lock it was it was pretty weird he did like a spin and went into it it was pretty cool uh I don't know if he'll go on a singles run. I think it's just for now that Jack Evans is injured or, you know, or he'll go on it and say, hey, like, TH2, we could take a break for a while and, you know, try a singles title. I don't know if he'll be the single titles champion at the moment, but, you know, I feel like he's doing good on his own right now. Um, We've seen Skylar Moore versus Anna Jay. Anna Jay is officially number 99 of the Dark Order. She finally has a number. Skylar Moore. She She's 0-4. She's been on four darks. Um, she hasn't won any. But she's actually really good. Uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Anna taps her out quickly uh, with the with the sleeper hold. And, you know, the commentators try to make it, like, they try to justify it as if it was a different sleeper. Oh, she doesn't use her her arm. She uses her forearm. It's, it just looks like a regular sleeper to me. I feel like we need to get her a better finisher than a sleeper hold. She also did state during the match that she was a different anna jay so i want to see where that character develops i wonder if she's going to feud with brandy soon and i also what's want to know what's the status on tay conti joining the dark order um after that we've seen lee johnson versus eddie kingston lee johnson's been on dark a lot and he's 0 and 14. He hasn't won a match at all. He was helping MJF with that presidential campaign and he has not won a match ever since. Um, Eddie Kingston is a very slow paced wrestler. I haven't really watched any Eddie Kingston match, but he looks like he's a slow paced wrestler. He wrestles to his pace. Um, so I kind of got like not really into it at times, um, but he looks like a very dangerous guy put in the right predicament. Uh, Lee Johnson had a flurry, like one quick flurry, before taking a knee to the stomach and then getting backhanded to just to lose. Um, a spinning backfist, I think Eddie Kingston could do a lot better. Maybe do a more aggressive, vicious finisher. If you're if you're a sadistic guy, you know you like to fight. You're not given a, a backhand and ending the match. That's just it's pretty plain to me. And I, I hope he finds something else. Now, don't think I'm just hating everybody's finish. It's just some finishes don't belong on certain people. Um, after that, we've seen Serpentico versus Sunny Kiss. Taz calls Serpentico a thief, saying he stole his gimmick. Um, I didn't know what he was talking about, um, but he, he calls him he calls him a thief pretty much the whole match. He's saying he stole someone's eyes, and he stole a lot of stuff, which is pretty weird. I have to look into why he's calling him a thief. Um, but Sunny does a front flip. It looks like she didn't even hit all of it, but ends up getting the win, It was a a pretty fast-paced match, but it ended so weirdly. I didn't think that little front flip into a pin was going to finish the match, but it did. Um, uh, The next match on Dark was Ben Carter versus Ricky Starks. This was our main event. Uh, Ben Carter is his debut. Um, Looks really good. Uh, He looks like a a young Paul London. Like when Paul London started out, he looks like Paul London a little bit. Um, It was fast-paced as soon as the match started. Carter was quick, athletic... He was agile. He was moving to flips and all this other stuff. I'm sure he'll be like a big topic on AW Dark because of, you know, he had such an impressive uh, debut. Um, the camera kept paying to Vicky. I think Vicky likes Ricky Stark. So what they were showing us that Vicky is truly interested in like Ricky Starks, you know, and that's fine. That's Ricky Starks' character. Ricky Starks is a pretty flamboyant man. You know, it, it builds on his gimmick. Um, so mid, like towards the end of the match, Carter gets a near fall via a Sprag Splash. Then he goes up to the top rope to try to do a Phoenix Splash, which he misses and ends up getting hit with a spear from ricky starks and his finisher the rochambeau to pick up the victory um it was a great debut for carter i think he has uh, a, a future in the business. He was really good, really agile. Uh, I hope to see more of him. I think his moveset could go further than what they showed tonight. Maybe with someone faster, like a Darby Allen or someone else. But um, it was a pretty good debut for him. So A W Dark tonight was just like every Dark show. Um, it was it was okay. It's just a build up for characters or to introduce new characters or to just play on storylines. So it's just this, the typical A W Dark fashion. Um, now. Now Now we're gonna move on to AW Dynamite, the main show. It started off with Chris Jericho and MJF like arriving at the arena at the same time in two escalades. You know, they're complimenting each other. MJF is like, you know, you sh- didn't have to touch someone like Orange Cassidy. And Jericho's like, you know, one day you're going to be champion. Basically putting him over. And, you know, they're all friendly and stuff. And they're like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And they pan away from each other. So there's two separate cameras. There's one on Jericho one on MJF. And then they both call each other a loser. I thought that was great heel work. And, you know, that's, that's the way that they should start the show. It felt different. I just want to say congrats to AEW for hitting 1 million viewers this past week. It's a big accomplishment. I don't think they broke that million barrier till now. So congrats to them. Uh, Our first match was Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express. The Lucha Bros is 2-0 since siding with Eddie Kingston. So it could be a good sign that, you know, they're going to go a little further, even though, you know, we know they are the best tag team in the world, if not one of the best tag teams in the world. Um, they also mentioned Jurassic Express is ranked number five on the tag team uh, rankings. Lucha Bros. isn't on there, and I'm pretty surprised that they're not on there at all. So this match has some really good spots, so I wanted to go over some of those spots. Uh, there was a botched move by Jungle Boy. He tried to, like, step on Luchasaurus' back as he ran. He ended up slipping it, but Ray Phoenix still sold it anyway, if he landed the move um, so i thought that was pretty good ring awareness you know uh, not in the fact that he botched it but in the fact that ray phoenix was still able to sell it so that way you know they could keep going forward with the match um it was a really fast-paced match both teams had tons of spots and tons of tag moves uh, ray phoenix hit a nice gory bomb leg drop combo it was a pretty unique move uh jungle boy kicked out of a lucha brothers tag special um, i didn't think he was gonna kick out. i thought that was the end of the match but What was the end of the match was a miscue that led to Penta giving a Canadian Destroyer to his own brother, Ray Phoenix, to give Jungle Boy the roll-up and the win. So Jurassic Express take the win here from the Lucha Brothers. And then at the end of the match, the Lucha Brothers, they're, like, pushing and shoving each other. They're blaming each other. Eddie Kingston comes out, gives a promo. You guys are brothers. You guys are supposed to be on the same side. He forces them to give each other a handshake. They're not going for it. He's like, come on, like, I need you guys to be on the same page give each other a handshake and move forward so we finally see that and eddie kingston also mentioned he was never eliminated from the battle royale i went back to look at it and he was not in the ring he was outside the ring but was pushed off so i guess he has a point he wasn't throwing over the top rope so i guess that's gonna be his thing now on like i was never really eliminated um but we've seen eddie become like a a big structure for the butcher and the blade and the lucha brothers he's basically become their mouths you don't really hear them talk that much uh we got to a backstage segment with jake the snake on lance archer winning the battle royale he's just basically saying that mox never faced nobody like him he's had time to prepare for everybody he faces besides him i mean little do we little do some people know that he's he's had many meet-ins with lance archer as i said last time they they fought for the iwp iwgp uh u.s heavyweight championship in japan so they they know each other they got history um we've seen a matt hardy promo matt hardy uh got hurt at All Out, and we haven't heard from him since, but he comes out to shoot a promo. He talks about, you know, All Out, and he's expected to make a full recovery, so that's some good news that he wasn't, like, super, super hurt. He also showed Reba Hardy in the crowd. I didn't know if she was gonna be there or not because on Twitter, she said, you know, shame on the company, so I thought they weren't even gonna have anything to do with each other. But he says, you know, his feud with Sammy's over. I guess, you know, that's how it ended. It sucks that it had to end that way, so a feud that was building up ended off a quick end. And so I don't know what's next for Sammy now, since they're not going to redo that match. Uh, Matt Hardy says he wants to go on a singles run when he comes back and be ranked for the AEW World Championship. Uh, he's a veteran in this sport. I-, I say, you know, give him a chance. Let him, let him run for the title. Uh, we're letting Dustin do it. You know, Dustin's 51 years of age. He's a veteran. Uh, he's running for the TNT title tonight. So I say let's do it. After Matt Hardy's promo, we've seen Angelico versus Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy coming off that big win at All Out and the Mimosa Mayhem against Jericho. Uh, staggering 9-5 and five in 2020 right now. Still not a great record, but it's better than, you know, most records out there. Um, and Helico got his first singles win on Dark. Uh, the other day, uh, they pointed that out. So they're trying to say that, you know, his singles matches, you know, are, there's more to come to it. Um, I feel like his singles match shows more of his skills uh, and how technical as a wrestler he is. So that's why I enjoy watching his singles matches. This match wasn't really that uh, really that long. It was pretty quick. Orange just, you know, he did what he did. He had his little fired up moments and then hit him with the orange punch. And that was the match. Orange, I didn't expect Orange Cassidy to win so fast. So my question is, did did Jericho change Orange Cassidy? Did Orange Cassidy become something else after fighting with Jericho? Um, Are we going to see Orange Cassidy move a little faster or work towards a title in AEW? Uh, I hope to see that soon. Because Orange Cassidy is their biggest thing right now. That's the biggest thing they have in in wrestling right now. So they should play off of it. If they're going to give a, uh, you know, title shots, they should give him a a title shot. I don't think he's going to beat Brody Lee for it. But, you know, in in the future, they can build him up. After Orange's match, we've seen Santana and Ortiz attack him from behind. Um, I don't think it was a Jericho doing. I think it was just a proud and powerful thing just to get the attention of best friends. They got the attention of them. They came out to make the save. Chucky T says next week for Santana and Ortiz for them to meet them in the parking lot. They're tired They just want to fight and they want to put an end to this so next week we're going to have a parking lot brawl with proud and powerful and best friends after that was the long-awaited announcement of kip sabian's best man now before this segment alex marvez he goes to interview the young bucks but there's no answer at the door when he knocks and as soon as the door opens there's two super kicks from matt and nick who knock out alex marvez um it was said that they were fined five thousand dollars and i don't think that's a lot for them but We're still fine. So we're still seeing an aggressive young Bucks, which is good to see. Um, Sabian, you know, heads to the ring. He's still... He's still promoting his twitch and crop tops that's still his thing. Uh Tony Schiavone is in a ring, you know, waiting to get uh an interview like who's your best man? Who is he? Who is he? And Kip Sabian says like who invited you here? Like get out. So Tony Schiavone gets kicked out. Um then he's like, "All right, my best man is and a guy he called Puff comes out. And I'm like, is this is this a surprise we have been waiting for?" And he he says to the guy, he's like, "No, I never said you were my best man. I said you were my best subscriber." So They basically played on the best thing for a couple. Um, He also said it again. And then Brian Pillman Jr. comes out. And he's like, Brian, I know it's your birthday. And I know I said you're the best. But I never said you were the best man. We're not even friends. I don't even know why you're out here. So after all the playing around he finally gets down to business. He's like my best man is and next thing you know Miro formerly known as Rusev makes his all Elite Wrestling debut. And let me tell you the crowd went bananas or the 10% of people who was there went bananas. It was Miro day chance as soon as they seen him. Um it's good to see Rusev or Miro uh find his way into another company. He was a talented wrestler that WWE underutilized so it's glad to see that he's somewhere that he belongs. Um he cuts a little promo. He says that, you know, the ceiling was the limit where he was, but now, you know, they could take that brass ring and they could shove it up their ass. He was talking about WWE, how, you know, the ceiling was the limit for him, how they thought how his Rusev gimmick wasn't going to go over, how Vince thought that they were just making fun of him and not going along with it. Uh, You know, basically he said, you know, elite recognizes elite and he's all elite. So now we're going to have Miro on the main roster and he's going to make a difference. He's going to change his career and it's been rumored he's going to have sort of a Mr. Perfect gimmick where he's good at everything because he mentioned his Twitch how he's good at Twitch and he's the best man and stuff like that. Um I hope they do the right thing with him. I expect him to be a champion sooner or later in the company. He has great potential, he's a great wrestler. I think he needs to work on his mic skills just a little bit. But I think Rusev, uh, Miro, excuse me. I keep calling him Rusev. I'm so used to it. But Miro is going to have a great career in all the wrestling. Uh, there was a backstage segment with Hangman Page. They were interviewing him, asking him how he felt. And he was like, yeah, I'm okay, you know. And he says he, people were expecting for him and Omega to crumble. I mean, we were. I, I was. I thought, didn't think they were going to last at all. He says he blamed himself for everything. The, the Matt and Nick loss. The Omega loss. He blames himself for everything. He says he wants to stay a tag team and hopefully he could climb back to the top. Uh, my thing is, if Kenny's going to be the cleaner, I think tag teams is out of his future and he should go on a singles run now. Um, after that, we have seen Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. We've seen we seen a little rivalry between all those all four of those competitors. Uh, we have seen Kiss and Hager in the battle royale. We seen Janela get beat up by Jericho. Um, this was a no DQ match, but it was so weird because they still required to tag. So I was like, is this a no DQ match? Or is it a regular tag? Until JR specified, like, this is no disqualification. I was like, so why are they tagging in? Um, I don't know if they're building up to a feud between Hager and Sonny, but in this match, Sonny looked really strong against Hager. All, like they even the announcer said it, like, this is the only person who's able to take down Hager. He's been kicking him and punching him and knocking him down like he's nothing. So, I'm looking forward to seeing a Sunny Kiss Hager feud. They they finally giving a Sunny Kiss some shine and that's really good. Um, Hager put Janella through a table from the ramp. Uh, you know, Janella could take those, but Hager was just showing his dominance. Uh, Jericho sprayed Sunny with a fire extinguisher after she was taking over Hager and and Actually, out wrestling him, which is really shocking to see still. Um, but once she got free with that fire extinguisher, Hager locked on a choke and it was over. Jericho mentioned after the match that you know what's next for him. And I asked that the last podcast I said, What's next for Chris Jericho? Chris Jericho now mentions that him and Hager will now be chasing the AW tag team champions. Um, which means no less X gods. Uh, I don't think he's doing anything else with Sammy. Sammy's still in a circle, but they're not tagging anymore. So it, it goes back to my point of singles wrestlers becoming tag wrestlers. And Do I think they're going to beat FTR or uh, whoever else puts it in front of them? They'll beat people to get in the rankings, but I don't think they're going to beat FTR for the tag team championships. Um, Backstage segment, it was MJF. He says, John Moxley's a cheater. He couldn't beat him without the paradigm shift. Even though MJF cheated, he's a heel. He's supposed to look past that. Uh, He also blamed his presidential campaign for his loss, so he fires everybody. He even blames Wardlow, and then Wardlow looks angry like he wants to punch him And He's like, oh... You know, does, Co- does Tony Khan sign your checks? Because last time I checked, I do. And and Wardlow just looked so angry, he thought he was going to hit him. But he said, MJF said if Wardlow didn't get it together or if he had a problem, he'll make sure he solves it and puts him and his family out on the street. Uh, could we see Wardlow turn on MJF soon? I, I don't know. Um, it looks like it's brewing in the works since MJF fired everybody. And, you know, he doesn't really have anybody left. It's only Wardlow, but how, how much can Wardlow take before he actually snaps on him? Um, then it cuts to a Moxley promo saying, you know, it, it's not like defending title is not supposed to be easy. Uh, he's talking about him fighting Lance Archer. So he says, you know, Archer isn't a monster. He's just a man. And if people are afraid of him, I'm not. He's basically saying that the title, the title defense aren't supposed to be easy. You're not supposed to be fighting squash matches as a champion in and, and main event matches so he has the point of they're supposed to be top caliber matches when it comes to championship matches and he does have a tough tough go when it comes to archer um after that it was ftr appreciation celebration for them winning the tag team championships um Tully blanchard said something that was pretty interesting to me he said that ftr wrestled that all out for 30 plus minutes in a hundred degree weather um it It was pretty hot as we've seen with Matt Seidel with his slip when he slipped on the top rope. Uh, He also states that FTR is one of the best tag team champions in the world. Uh, We've seen all the tag teams around the ring. we even seen Dark Order at the top of the ramp. But we didn't see the Young Bucks at all. So that was pretty uh, weird to me. So that makes me think that we're going to have a Young Bucks FTR feud eventually. Um, Then, like during a celebration, they begin to disrespect all the other teams. I'm going to mention some of the teams and what they said to them. They said SCU would have beat them if they were in their prime. They said private party. Uh, well, let's just keep it at that. They're just private party. And that was pretty disrespectful, the private party, because they've done a lot to hone their craft in the tag team division. They also called the Gun Club week, and just because Billy is a second-rate Hall of Famer doesn't mean anything. Uh, so they they took a shot at Billy and Austin, you know, when they made that comment on Dark that they're 6-0, like they should fight for tag team championships. Then they called Luchasaurus a dumbass dinosaur, which causes Jurassic Express to get in the ring. And uh, try to ruin the celebration. Um, we seen Dash and Dax. They uh, try to attack Luchasaurus, um, which didn't go well for them. They ended up running out the ring. Then they got hit with a cooler—the cooler that they always bring out to the ring to celebrate with other people. They got hit with that. Uh, next week was announced that we'll have Jurassic Express versus FTR in a non-title match. Um, that should be pretty interesting. Uh, it's. I haven't seen Jurassic Express and FTR Clash, so that's going to be a really good match. Ricky Starks comes out, pokes fun at Darby Allen to continue their little rivalry they got going on. Um, apparently, Darby Allen is really hurt. Uh, I don't know if he got hurt from that spot he took at All Out, but he's hurt, so he wasn't on the show this week. So they had Ricky Starks come dressed as him to poke more fun at the rivalry. And again, it's not the first time that Ricky Starks has done that. I think it's the second time he's done it with Brian Cage, um, but that rivalry is still going i don't know when it's gonna end because darby's hurt so we'll have to just see when darby comes back uh conti we learned the other day that she signed with all elite wrestling so she had her first match tonight with nyla rose um conti looked really good in this match like you could tell her use of her martial arts i learned that she was a black belt in judo and a blue belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and you can see that in her moveset when you watch her in the ring uh this was a pretty fast match Uh, There was one highlight to this match that I really liked and it was during one of those picture-picture moments. Tay Conti had a beautiful knee uh, on the ring post to Nyla Rose. That was probably like, the highlight of the match. Uh, it was just not a match for me, not because of anything, but just because of the fact that it was quick, it was slow, it was a smaller girl versus a bigger girl. Um, after after the match, Vicky Guerrero says, you know, we are the vicious vixens. I guess that's what they're calling themselves. But we're here to make a statement. So Nyla Rose proceeds to attack Tay Conti And Hikaru Shida comes out uh, to make the save. Do we see uh, Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida again? Is that a rivalry that's being renewed? Um, I I don't know. I can't tell you yes or no, but it looks like it. Because I think Nyla Rose is number one in the rankings. Um, Also, another lingering question from that match is, will Tay Conti after that join the Dark Order? Um, There was something, I think it was an AEW exclusive, that showed Tay Conti walking to the back on that injured knee. Um, I, I don't think it's injured, but I think it's just she's playing on it It's some more of, for the storyline for the Dark Order. Uh, but you see like the Dark Order, you see Stu Grayson and, and Evil Uno come up like, you know, we can help you. And then she's like, no, it's OK. And then Anna Jay comes up and then she's like, I missed you. And then, you know, she fake cries and they walk away. And uh, Uno and Grayson stay there like mm, we, we're going to get her. We're going to get her. Um, <clears throat> a backstage segment with Kenny Omega Pretty much the same thing with Hangman. Uh, they asked him like, "What happened? How do you feel about that night?" Omega says he had lost his way at the start of the company before he found Hangman, which helped him show the way, which helped him see the way. Excuse me, um, which is true. In the beginning of the company, Omega wasn't doing so good. He was losing matches. Um, I, I guess you know people thought that he was going to be on the top because it was his company. I guess he didn't want to make it look like. You know, I'm favoring myself or we're favoring the guys like Cody and the Bucks and stuff like that. So he toned it down a bit. He lost a couple matches. And people were like, oh, you know, what happened to the best battle machine? What happened to the cleaner? What happened to those people? You know, he never had an answer. Omega says he's not going back to tag team wrestling. He said they had their run. They did it. And it's over. And now he's going to focus on himself and goes back to single wrestling. So cleaner still being teased uh we're not getting it yet but he's being teased um i, I hope omega goes on a singles run. that's what he needs he doesn't need to be a tag team champion he did it already that's it you're good now go to singles hang same thing with hangman hangman's a phenomenal wrestler i remember i seen him live and was a fan when i watched that one match between him and jeff cobb you know uh I think that both of these men should go there after the world title. They're going to meet each other in it. They're going to fight each other one-on-one, and it's going to be a hell of a match. Um, Next week's announcements was made. Thunder Rosa's back. She's going to defend her title against Diamante. So I think we're seeing NWA more inside of AEW. I'm wondering when we're going to see men matches like Nick Aldis. I know Nick Aldis is defending his 10 pounds of gold against Mike Bennett. Soon, so I don't know how long it's gonna take Nick all this to try to make an appearance on AEW if he ever does. But you know Billy Corrigan says it's, it's possible he would work with AEW, and it shows it there. So we're on to the main event of AEW Dynamite: Mister Brody Lee versus Dustin for the TNT Championship. Now this was a really good match, and at the beginning of the match you see that. AW is playing off John Silver's popularity. They had him with Brody Lee for the second week in a row holding his title. Uh, Dustin Rode attacked him before the match even started. The match spills to the outside for a couple minutes. We see Dustin give a a back body drop to a table to Brody Lee, which didn't break at all. Um, You know, Dustin gave a big boot to John Silver, who was sacrificed by Brody. So we've seen uh Brody sacrificed his guys before, so this is nothing new. Um, you know, I-, I think that Brody Lee has gone in the right direction so far, being with the Dark Order, and I-, I hope that stays the way it is now. Um, a couple more highlights was, you know, Dustin hit a beautiful Hurakarana, then a Canadian destroyer. To do those things at his age was pretty impressive, so he's still guided for his age. Um Brody Brody was in control during the picture in picture, but when AW went live, Dustin took control. So, I guess he was waiting for his cue to, to take control. Um, Dustin's still moving like he's in his prime. You know, he sometimes look a little sluggish, but when he's really into it, he 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 gets in that groove where he looks like he could still do this for another ten years. He also paid tribute to his brother Cody doing a crossroads, which didn't get the win, but. Uh, it was good to see that he paid tribute to his brother Because like I said, this is a revenge match This is for his brother who was taken out by the Dark Order um, You know, Silver tries to come in the ring But receives an atomic drop from the top rope He uh, Dustin didn't really hit it Excuse me uh, Dustin didn't really hit it So he power slams him So that way he gives him something to knock him out Which was which was great ring awareness That he didn't hit it So he played on something else to make sure that Silver was out That's That, that was great wrestling on his part um, the men traded shots in the middle of the ring, uh, before Brody Lee hit his vicious discus clothesline to win the match. Um, all around, this was probably one of the best matches of the night. Um, I thought it was a great main event. I thought Dustin did a hell of a job for the title. Uh, he didn't get it, but you know he he fought pretty goddamn hard. And I, I, I'm glad I got to watch that match. Cause it was pretty it was pretty good. Um, after the match, Dark Order came out with Cole Cabana and Q T Marshall. Uh, Brody's still mad at Cabana. You can see it. He kicked him out of the ring as soon as he's seen him. Evil Uno seems to be taking Cabana's side. He helped him out the ring. So I don't know if, if, if something's going to happen with Uno and Cabana against Brody. Not not fight him, but I know Brody's going to pick up on it. Like, what are you doing? Like, Why are you helping him? Um, Brody also kicked Dustin in the balls, then taunted him, and says, Cody, where are you? Come home. Um, so... Brody's still playing on that Cody that Cody feud. Cody won't be back for a while. Uh, apparently, Cody had a, an announcement. I thought it was an announcement like, you know, I'm coming back for you, Brody, this and that. On Twitter, he put like a red Nightmare family sign. It wasn't the American flag. But the, the announcement ended up being, he's on a TV show. Who cares? I want to see you wrestle. I don't want to watch you judge a magic show or whatever kind of show it is. On TV, like I thought that was about wrestling, but it wasn't. So that that was pretty much a waste for me, in my opinion, because I don't really care about that. I just want to see uh, the wrestling matches. But uh, AW Dynamite tonight was was really good. Uh, played off a lot of stories. We got to see the debut of Miro. We get a new tag team champ. We get a new excuse me, not tag team champion. We get a new uh, tag team in the the rankings. You know, we got to see Orange after his Jericho match. Uh, we see Tae Conti. I thought it was an all-around good, put-together show. Um, it's it was better than All Out. I give you that. Um, but it was it was a good show. So now we're gonna move on to our last show, which is SmackDown. And uh, SmackDown's been hot. SmackDown this week apparently drew um, a million plus. On, on their show this week, which was more than raw on AW, even though AW just hit the million. Oh, <clears throat> sorry to backtrack, but before I get to SmackDown, I read that during the Hager Jericho match, the views skyrocketed past the million. So, Jericho, I guess he really is the demo god. Um, it was the 18 through 40, 4950 category. So, their is hitting the mark they want to, and uh, I guess Jericho is becoming that reason. So I expect to hear something about that from Jericho. Anyways, back to SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown started off with the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, with his advocate, Paul Heyman. Um, I think he's sticking with that nickname, the Tribal Chief. Heyman said that about 20 times in that one promo he did. He also stated that Roman's it was Roman's idea for him to put Jey Uso inside the match instead of uh, anyone else. So, Roman Reigns had a, had a choice on who he won as Big e's replacement, and he chose his own cousin. Um, but he also says, you know, Jay comes out, he says, listen, you know, you're my cousin, this is going to be a good match. Roman says, listen, it's your moment, but at Clash of Champions, I'm going to whoop your ass, because this has to stay on my shoulder. And I was like, hmm, that's a pretty good line, you know? He's going to whoop your ass, because it has to stay on his shoulders, it can't go to you. So, I wonder what what kind of Roman are we going to get at Night of Champions? Um, I wonder what kind of Roman we're going to get tonight. Uh, we've seen Baron Corbin and Sheamus interrupt saying it's unfair and it's nepotism. It's family. That's why he got the title shot. You put him in the match because he's your blood. Jey Uso's like, listen, I earned this. He also proposed a tag team match. Then Corbin and Sheamus try to attack him. And he fends him off by himself while Roman Reigns just stands there. Roman Reigns is just testing him like, "Mm, can you do this on your own? Can you handle yourself? I got to say, I'm not even going to do anything. So it's pretty interesting to see how Roman's taking this. Um, We pan to a backstage segment with Sami Zayn. He's upset that on the graphic um, for Styles and Hardy's match that's coming up, it says that it's an Intercontinental Championship match. He says he's the real Intercontinental Championship. Why isn't they saying it for him? Why isn't it on his graphics? So he starts pushing all the buttons in the production truck. And then he takes SmackDown off the air. SmackDown then comes back from commercial to pan to AJ Styles versus Hardy for the Intercontinental Championship. Which is what uh, Sami Zayn was talking about. i seen Styles was wearing a new shirt. Uh, I actually like it. I have to get it. I actually have a lot of wrestling shirts. Like tons and tons and tons and tons. Um... So I'm gonna add this one to my collection. Um, Sammy interrupts the announcer while he's coming down. He says the that there's a match. He's the real champion. There shouldn't even be a match. He he's the real Intercontinental Champion. Why why is this match even happening? He also states that it, he was stripped. He never had a chance to defend it. He defended it once, and then he got travel issues. So they stripped him from it. He's right. You know he never got to really defend that title besides once. They stripped it from him. Like I said, last week, similar to Jordan Devlin, still says he's the Cruiserweight Champion on WWE.com. You know, then Pierce comes out. He's like, Sammy, you have to go. I'm here to take you out. And then he says, like, you know, this is unfair. This is unfair. And while Jeff is distracted, AJ Styles takes advantage, hits Hardy. Hardy gets back up. Then he hits a twist of fate and then goes for a swanton. I thought it was over right there. I'm like, why are they finishing this match this early? It should not finish this early. but uh, AJ Styles rose out of it and the match continues. So' I'm, I'm glad they didn't end it like that. Um you can see at just age, he's still sacrificing his body and it was told before by Matt, like you know you don't have to sacrifice your body. People come to see you and only you. They they don't care if you throw yourself around and do anything else. They just want to see you dance and do what you do. You don't have to hurt yourself anymore to see anyone happy. I, I thought that was really true from Matt. He, I think he said that a while back. But, you know, Jeff does throw his body around like he's he's young. Like he's still super, super in his prime. He's not. And I feel like him, as long as he keeps doing it, he's going to shorten his career. Um, you know, style stated... Styles stated uh, earlier this week during his Twitch that he wants to retire. And I, I can see that, you know, he, he's happy wrestling, but he'll be more happy retired. He can do something behind the scenes. But AJ Styles really wants to retire. I hope he doesn't right now, but he wants to. Um, but back to the match. Um, the match ended in DQ because Sammy attacked both Styles and Hardy. Um I think we're gonna see a triple threat match at class of Champions, so we can see who the real champion is. I hope Sami Zayn wins it. Um, I, I think he was going to be the next best thing for SmackDown when he won the Intercontinental Championship. He's a really great wrestler, and I think he would have brought a lot. But COVID happened, and you know they had to strip him. But I, I hope that they have a triple threat match and he wins it, so he can be the real champion. Um, after the match, you know, everyone left, Jeff is walking up the ramp and just collapses. I thought this was, uh, you know, um, I didn't think it was, uh, fake. I thought it was real. I thought he really collapsed. Um, they panned to the back before a segment with Jay Uso and they said, um, you know, it was just dehydration. He was dehydrated. He collapsed, but he got back up. He's fine. Um, so we go to a backstage segment. It was a brief, wasn't long. It's just Jay Uso and Roman Reigns sitting on a couch, and Jay Uso's talking and talking and talking about the game plan of tonight, and Roman's just sitting there like, "Listen, like I don't care. Like this ain't got nothing to do with me. This was your fight." Um, so we're still seeing some Roman Reigns heel work, and he's really not caring about Jay Uso right now. And I'm liking the way things are going between uh, Roman and Jay right now. Um, and after that. We've seen the champions meet. We see the Street Profits now come on SmackDown. Just like uh, Cesaro and Nakamura did on Raw. And now they're in the champions lounge. Cesaro's like, what are you guys doing here? This is a champions lounge for SmackDown. He's like, don't worry. We're just here to analyze and watch a match, uh, Montez says. And then Cesaro's like, don't touch anything. We have a match. Uh, they're supposed to fight Lucha House Party. Um, so we see Cesaro and Nakamura go to the ring. And we see Lucha House Party. Um, I'm trying to figure out, was Lucha House Party good or are they still like going through their problems? Because we've seen Kalisto give a pep talk before the match. It cut to like a little before segment. He called himself the leader. And Metalik and Dorado looked at him like, um, you're not the leader. So it, it was like, are they still fighting amongst each other or are they okay? Um, it was a fast-paced match. I didn't expect anything crazy from that match. Um, Cesaro and Nakamura get distracted by Tron showing the Street Profits having a party in the Championship Lounge. Remember Cesaro and Nakamura told don't touch anything but they ended up having a party which distracted Cesaro so he can get rolled up by Kalisto. So we see Kalisto and the, the Lucha House Party take a win this week over Cesaro and Nakamura. and. I feel like with this loss, Cesaro Nakamura are going to win next week are on In Your Face Raw against the Street Profits and show that they are the better tag team. Um, after that, they pan to Lucha House Party joining the party after the win. Lucha House Party seems to be okay this week. I don't know how they're going to do next week. Now we move on to one of the most anticipated segments. And the segment is Bailey's promo on why she attacked Sasha Banks. Um, it's funny because Michael Cole pointed out that she came out with the same steel chair that she used on Sasha I thought that was a good play on uh, Bailey being a heel. She said she loved every single moment of destroying her and that she knew what, what Sasha was thinking. She said she knew Sasha was waiting for a moment to strike and then make it about her again, um, which is true. Uh, Sasha's done that in the past. She She's betrayed Bailey so many times that I'm surprised it took Bailey this long to actually betray her. And uh, so I think that's a really good play on that. She also says that she was just using Sasha to keep the titles, and now she's just useless to her. So uh, is, is Sasha going to come back and fight for the woman's title? Is Sasha you know, going to cost her something? Is she going to cost her the title? Is she going to cost her a match? I know when Sasha comes back, it's going to be a, a fight every 30 seconds between those two if they let it play out like that. Um, after that was a fatal four-way between Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, Lacey Evans, and Tamina for the number one contender spot for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, as Bailey was going up the ramp, Nikki Cross was coming out, and, you know, they have history. They fought plenty of times for that title, even though Bailey retained. And as Nikki Cross is going to the ring, Bailey hits her with that same steel chair she hit Sasha with. So, I-, I don't know, are they still, they still got a little feud going on, um... We've seen Alexa come back from commercial break. She's, you know, tending to Nikki Cross. She's like, are you okay? Nikki Cross like, yeah, I'm going to continue. Um, where's Alexa's mind during this match? Is she focused on winning a title? Is she focused on The Fiend? What is she focused on this match? She looked like herself during the match. Um, but then it came to this one spot, which was probably my favorite moment of the night. Alexa Bliss gets possessed, supposedly, and hits the sister Abigail on Nikki Cross on the outside. And after she does that, she just walks away. She leaves the match. The match becomes a triple threat. She didn't even care about the title. When she walked away, she just looked like she was possessed. Um, you know, throughout this match, it, it was a really good match. Um, you know, Tamina to me, I never see her enough. I don't think she's that talented. Um, she has moves, but her 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 wrestling style or just her matches just don't wow me. And I, I guess. That's super uninterested. But Lacey Evans, uh, again, like she shows so much promise. It sucks that they built her up and then brought her back down. I thought she was going to win the title from Bayley, but she didn't. Um, we seen her hit a woman's right. And then we've seen uh, Nikki Cross hit her finisher. And she gets the roll up on Tamina, who uh, I thought was going to win because she had hit some move and then made the pin. I thought she was going to get the win, but she didn't. So now we see Nikki Cross versus Bayley. Again, we see this feud re renewed we seen it on the ramp i should have took it as a sign that it was gonna that nikki cross was gonna win this match but now we have another rivalry now i'm gonna give you my prediction or my opinion i think that nikki cross this time is gonna win the title i don't think she's gonna lose this time i think that she's gonna win and why i say she's gonna win i think sasha banks is gonna cost her that match i think sasha banks even though she might not come back night of championship she might come back before that but I believe that she's going to be the reason Bailey loses the title. She said she's going to be like, oh, I'm useless to you. I was only helping you keep the titles, now I'm gonna take that title away. So now, we're gonna have Bailey with no belt, and Sasha with no belt, so it's just gonna be a feud that will probably lead into Hell in a Cell. So, I I think we're gonna see Nikki Cross as champion. Uh, Just remember this prediction. Um, We've seen Otis versus Morrison. Uh, They also showed uh, the mystery woman. Blonde hair. Uh, You know, everyone's saying it's Carmella. So many people are saying it's Carmella. I'm I'm gonna hop on the train and say I think it's Carmella too because where is Carmella? I don't think they'll put her with retribution uh, so Car- Car- Carmel is a mystery lady to me and just like everybody else. Um, Morrison, you know, he's such an incredible athlete. He came to WWE. I thought he was gonna be on NXT, you know, putting on hell of a hell matches. And he he hasn't he hasn't wowed me at all since he's gotten back to WWE. He was so much better on, on Lucha Underground and Impact, and he came here to, to do what to be a joke character. I, I feel like he shouldn't be a joke character. He's held so many world titles in multiple promotions. The same thing with Miz. I think Miz should be chasing titles and not uh, working about tag teams or otis um we seen otis pick up the win after the Miz stole uh the supposed money in the bank briefcase which was supposed to be otis's lunchbox uh i don't know why otis walks around with his lunchbox and a money in the brief money in the bank briefcase excuse me um you know they pan to the back otis is telling tucker like ah, i'm not mad that's not the money in the bank this is the money in the bank and next thing you know he pulls a lunchbox out of the big money in the bank and I'm like, what? How many, like, lunch boxes does this guy have? And he pulls out the, the, the Money in the Bank contract, which, again, means nothing because it, it's just, it's not what it used to be it doesn't really mean anything to me anymore. They just give it to anybody or who's hot at the moment. And that's what Otis was hot at that moment. Um, so they pan to Miz and Morrison. Morrison opens like, yeah, we got it. We got it. And he pulls out an e and eat an apple. And he he's upset that he got tricked again. So he calls in a favor. Uh, I learned that that favor was he got Mandy Roach traded to Raw. So Miz, Miz got some pull. Mandy Rose is officially on Raw. So, does it mean that the draft is going to be a real thing? Who who does SmackDown get since since uh you know they got uh Mandy Rose to Raw? I think Peyton Royce should go to SmackDown. I think that's the best bet. I think she could win a championship on uh, SmackDown. So it's interesting to see where that that goes. A Firefly Funhouse segment, funny, the best thing SmackDown has had in a long time. The, the Firefly's the Firefly Funhouse, that's a tongue twister, is is such a great segment. Kudos to Bray Wyatt. He he makes that thing so good. Um, It showed Bray said there was going to be a new character. That was teased all night. New character, new character. Bray introduces the new character, a parrot. The parrot doesn't come out the box. And then we're all like, uh, is he going to come out soon? The parrot's dead. Bray says, oh, I forgot to cut holes. Oh, well. So I I found that pretty funny. Um, Also, we see an appearance from puppet Mr. McMahon, who makes an appearance he tells Bray Wyatt, or, yeah, Bray Wyatt, because he's not the Fiend yet. He says, I'm disappointed in you. You were supposed to do this. You know, you don't want to be... F-. And then Bray Wyatt's like, no, 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 no. We all know he was going to say fired. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. They also introduced another new character, which is the Firefly Funhouse Advisor. Um, Mr. McMahon says, uh, here is Wobbly Walrus, which is supposed to be Paul Heyman. So I thought that was pretty funny on how they're taking... You know, his loss to Roman, and they're making it something funny. Um, The Vince character is pretty funny. I think Wyatt voices him. I don't know if it's really Vince, but I know somebody voices him. Um, They also left us with a cliffhanger. It says to be continued. So I guess next next week we're going to have to wait for another episode of the Firefly Funhouse. We get to the last match of the evening. The main event, it's supposed to be Roman and Jey Uso versus Sheamus and King Corbin. Uh, This is Roman's first match in seven months. Michael Cole can't stop letting us know. He keeps saying, it's Roman Reigns' first match. Seven months, seven months, seven months. Uh, We see Jey Uso, King Corbin, and Sheamus come out. But no Roman. The bell rings. I'm like, I I thought this was a tag match, not a two-on-one. Jey Uso is literally fighting two men the whole entire match. Now, let me tell you, I'm liking heel Roman right now. He's doing some really good heel things. He doesn't show up for this match at all, um, except for the last two minutes, which is the finish. He comes in. Rome, um, Sheamus is about to hit a bro kick. And then Roman's music plays. And you see Roman just strolling, taking his time like, yeah, whatever. And strolling, he gets on the apron. Jey Uso's about to go for the Uso splash. And he blind tags him. He takes the spear, one, two, three, and then walks out. Like, he did anything. He just took all the credit from Jey Uso. So I'm liking where, where, where this story is going between them both. Um, A segment that stood out to me at the end was Jey Uso and Roman was standing at the top of the ramp at the end of the match. And Jey Uso held up the hand Roman had the title in. So it gave the illusion that Jey Uso was holding the title. And Roman Reigns looked at him like, what are you doing? Like, get off me. So I thought that was a good play on on their rivalry. Um, I, I I think that's going to be a, a good match. It's going to be a sleeper match. You know, we're going to think like, oh, it's Jey Uso. It's not going to be a good match. But I, I think that's going to be your sleeper match at Night of Champions. Um, so that's it for SmackDown's review. Um, I think SmackDown tonight was really good. It played on a lot of stories. The Alexa Bliss Fiend story continues to wow me. Roman Reigns as a heel is excellent. Um, I, I'm trying to... Sp- see who this mystery person is even though even though we know or think it's Carmella um you know uh, Smackdown was very interesting tonight I'm I don't want to see Otis segments anymore I don't really care about that but other than that Smackdown was pretty solid um so that concludes today's podcast uh this is episode three um I just want to thank all of you again for listening and for helping this podcast grow into what it's becoming um you know this is just a project. I want to see it go further. Uh, I'm trying to network and trying to get this podcast out there so more wrestling fans can hear it. Um, This episode took a lot of work. um, So I want to thank you very much for tuning in. And this has been Wrestling From The Crowd. My name is Ray. Thank you for listening.